0: Last month marked the end of an era for Solomon Islands, a decade since soldiers from around the Pacific were sent to the capital Honiara to restore law and order after five years of civil conflict. But with three riots over the past ten years, including one in which an entire shopping precinct in Honiara was burnt down, this Radio New Zealand Insight asks how stable is the future of the developing nation? A conflict over land and culture between the people of Guadalcanal and migrants from the neighbouring island of Malaita became armed warfare in the late 1990s. In, in
1: Guadalcanal context, if we have, for example, for the killing, we have a way to solve a problem. If somebody gets a, 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 a girl from another tribe, you just don't go there and brutally murder somebody, but there's a way to solve the problem.
0: The atrocities committed during the five years of what are known as the ethnic tensions have scarred a generation.
1: When the when the tension started, he's a Japanese lady. They strip of all his clothes off and they're all the boys they you know they're making long line and they raped that lady.
0: The conflict resulted in two hundred deaths. Forced between 20 and 30,000 others to flee their homes and plunged the economy into a downward spiral.
2: Solomon Islanders uh, were desperate, I think, desperate for this um, force to, uh, to come in. They gave us overwhelming uh, support. That allowed us to um, very quickly to restore law and order.
0: Since then, the work of the Regional Assistance Mission to Solomon Islands, or Ramsey, led by Australia and New Zealand, has focused on getting government systems working properly, reforming the justice sector and rehabilitating the economy. I'm an Husband and this Insight travels to Solomon Islands to consider what's changed for ordinary Solomon Islanders a decade on and after almost $3 billion worth of international support.
3: There's uh, some pipes that go underneath and when we have a pump, it pumps, use that pipe through here and it used to come through there, and, and then the machine should be here. And then, what, this is where the water comes up. And then it leaves the pump and out through there to the tank. The
0: tank is in the village. When the pump was stolen during the unrest that was stirred up by the tensions, Ramsey had just arrived, and Reuben Molly was premier of the province of Malaita. Ten years on, his village, few still can't afford the $5,000 it would take to replace the equipment that supplied water for 800 residents. But villagers can still fall back on traditional divining to find water. When we come across, I hope it works with this
3: one, maybe dry, uh, wet. Uh,
0: wet timber is better.
3: Wet with timber and much longer. Longer but, timbers, yes. right. And When we come to the lining, it should cross. If I have wet sticks, it would cross and I would know that the water is down below.
0: The origins of the tension between the people of Guadalcanal and those of the neighbouring island of Malaita stretch back to before independence in 1978, when Solomon Islands was still a British protectorate. Development since then has been centred around the capital, Honiara, with its surrounding fertile plains putting increasing pressure on customary, or village-owned, land. A professor of history at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Clive Moore, says as friction increased between Guadalcanal's indigenous people and a large migrant population from Malaita, there was widespread unemployment.
4: Malaita is a heavily populated island, the most heavily populated in the Solomons, and the only way that they've been able to participate in the economy is by leaving the island. And one of the things that uh, they've done then they went to Queensland, they went to Fiji. Uh, within the Solomons, they were the main labor force, um, you're talking 60, 70 percent of the labor force, uh, internally in the Solomons. And when after the Second World War, when um, Guadalcanal and Honiara started to develop, they uh, worked on Guadalcanal on the oil palm plantations, the, the rice. Plantations on Guadalcanal Plains, and um, they were drawn to Honiara for work, but also because it was a new urban development. It, the government realises that it has to have development on Malaita to keep Malaitans at home. The same applies all over the Solomons. There has to be development outside of Guadalcanal Plains and um, uh, Goldridge Mine and Honiara for other areas of the Solomons. And particularly Malaita, which is the most heavily populated area, needs development there. Now they've been talking for a long time about ports, uh, fishing, uh, oil palm, the Aluta Basin Oil Palm Project, things like that. Nothing's happened. In
0: 1998, armed Guadalcanal militants began to evict Malaitan settlers beginning a 5-year period known as the tensions. Irene Miter is a single mother born in Honiara to Malaitan parents in 1974. She escaped to her home village on Malaita along with her infant son and her parents in December of 1999, leaving behind the house they owned and most of the things in it. We had the gun just blew up at Algeta Creek. We stayed till December because that ethnic tension starts in 97 till then. It the was getting worse in June 99. Then we back home in December. But we just by ourselves on top of the hill. We left behind. They were among the more than 20,000 people who were displaced at the height of the tensions. Towards the end of 1999, Malaitan militants began to retaliate taking control of Honiara and joining with the Royal Solomon Islands Police Force in 2000 to overthrow the government. Ramsey was a response to a subsequent government's request for international help three years later as the country verged on a state of economic and social collapse. The mission has been staffed and funded largely by Australia, with support from New Zealand. Soldiers and police have been provided by all the member countries of the Pacific Islands Forum. Ramsey's agenda was to fix the problems in three broad areas, as the special coordinator, Nicholas Koppel, explains.
5: One was law and order, the spread of militancy. The other was the, the collapse in the economy. And the third was uh, the collapse in, in government and government services. So it was rapidly becoming what people characterised at the time as, as a, a failing, if not a, a failed state. But if you look at Solomon Islands today, it's a, a strong economy. It's got fully... Funded, balanced budgets, debt is under control. It's uh, no longer defaulting in debt payments, and indeed has a very low debt-to-GDP ratio. There's no sign of militancy. There's almost no armed uh, crime in the country whatsoever. Uh, It's quite a remarkable turnaround in in the situation.
0: Honiara is thought to have a population of about between 70 and 100,000 people. It's pretty busy, though. The main road through town. Is a four-lane road, but not really any white lines to speak of. Pretty dusty, very busy, and at times gridlocked with traffic. Traffic is only one of the drawbacks of a growing population. Clive Moore says there's been development on Guadalcanal around the capital, Honiara, but little on Malaita.
4: The people of Guadalcanal were very dissatisfied about the way that the development of their island was out of their control. Goldridge, uh, the Guadalcanal Plains, which is the major uh, agricultural area, uh, commercial agricultural area in the Solomons, Honiara itself, they didn't see themselves as really benefiting from, which was was actually uh, large-scale economic development on their island. Now, I would ask, has that changed in the last ten years, and I don't think it has.
0: Five years after Ramsey's arrival, Irene Maita and her family returned to Honiara. They had to build a new house, their old one had been burnt down. But she says life in the capital is easier than on Malaita, where the lack of proper roads means the only travel option is an expensive truck ride. It's very hard for us to stay there in Malaita. Here in Guadalcanal it's very easy. Yeah, to uh, grow crops and you it, just taxi fare. That's all. And we go by bus in my own place in Malaita. If it's far, we just walk. We don't go by truck. We just walk or okay, canoe. Much of Solomon Islands' nine provinces, spread over almost 1,000 islands, remains undeveloped. 80% of the country's population of about 600,000 lives in rural areas. Stephen Buckup from Timotu Province in the far south of the country was one of the modest number of Solomon Islanders at the national sports stadium to witness Ramsey's 10th anniversary celebrations.
6: That should mark
0: the arrival
2: of the Prime Minister of Solomon Islands.
0: He moved to Honiara from the Atoll Paleni 20 years ago. On the boat,
6: uh, it takes two to three days. Yeah, and the only air street in the province is Lata at Lata.
0: How long does it take you to get from Paleni to Lata to catch the aeroplane? Uh,
6: by outboard motor we can get there. In, it takes three hours just to catch the plane.
0: The price of such travel is out of reach for many Solomon Islanders. A one-way fare between the Temotu province capital Lata and Honiara is ten times what many earn in a week. Stephen Buckup's last trip home was nine years ago, but he is often host to his wontoks or relatives. Only my mum my is still alive, uh, so she comes here once in a while. And so what about other family members? They usually because
6: come here too. The, yeah, right, sometimes. okay. Yeah. My sister, because I have one sister and a brother, yeah. And uh, my nephews, right. they come here to attend uh, education.
0: So do they come and live with you? Yeah. Yeah, because you're there, one yeah. talk. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean that you have to support them?
6: Uh, yes right. i have to support them
0: how is that this is a big responsibility
6: yeah sorry but i can usually manage but
0: you have enough food y- and yeah. so forth for everyone
6: yeah and sometimes i uh, like when they come they have to bring some food from home okay. then they don't stay longer then They can stay just for a month then they go back uh,
0: one talk means one talk in pidgin english and refers to a family or village grouping that uses the same language or dialect in a nation with close to 100 different languages. Under the Wontok system, people are expected to look out for and generally favour their kin. It's an overarching feature of Solomon Island's culture, and in a country without a welfare system, provides essential backup. But it makes for other problems, as the former MP, Richard Preble, who was married to a Solomon Islander and lived in Honiara for many years, explains.
2: If you take an action against your One Talk, people will remember it forever. So if you're a policeman and you're sent down to arrest one of your One Talk, what are you to do? If you um, don't arrest the One Talk, your sergeant will be angry with you for, say, a day. If you do arrest the One Talk, the family will remember it forever. Uh, And in fact, you might have severe difficulties. Uh, So you have this system which made running things like police forces, running civil service, uh, very, very difficult.
0: The Wontok system often blurs the line between family obligations and what amounts to nepotism or corruption. The policing arm of Ramsey has concentrated on strengthening the professionalism and neutrality of the force, including posting officers to provinces other than their own, but a Honiara taxi driver, Benji Luson, says local police officers can still be bought.
1: Our police in here still have this kind of, uh, the other way of corrupting, You have to do something, you have to give money, then your people have to walk through or something like that. Like when you're in traffic, sometimes we go through the office and it's too hard to go. But when you give something to them, then everything will work out well.
0: So you can actually get through the traffic?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I have uh, have some problem with traffic rules or breaking rule and um,
0: oh, OK. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Oh, OK, so you get pulled over or something, but well, then yeah. you give them some money? Yeah, sometimes they have to... Many also believe there is still corruption within the government, as the Industrial Relations Officer for the National Teachers Association, Samson Faisi, explains.
1: That's what you see in the Ministry of Finance. Say, for example, if someone... You have payments to be done. They need to pay you. You cannot get your cheque as soon as possible as you expected. At least you must give something to that person in the Ministry of Finance before he or she can give you a cheque.
0: Is that common practice?
1: Worse, as you know speak.
0: Like how much money are you talking about? Uh, someday, given,
1: even uh, put certain percentage, like 10%, 20% of the total money that you get from there.
0: And is this just an unspoken agreement that you will do that? Exactly,
1: yeah. It's just between them and whoever is the middle person or the owner of the cheque. So you would like to collect your cheque as fast as possible. For you to follow the normal process, it will take you weeks. But if you go through those middlemen who new well those in the finance department, then it will just flow.
0: There have been many issues in the past with how money in the form of funds from overseas has been spent. A Solomon Islands academic at the University of Hawaii's Centre for Pacific Islands Studies, Tarsisius Tara Kabutaulaka, says corruption remains an institutional weakness.
2: What we've done in the last since 2003 the last ten years is that we've created a relatively stable country, stable government, stable economy, uh, law and order is going very well. But stability does not always mean better governance. Stability sometimes provides for certain powerful people to capture the machineries of government, to build cliental relationship and be able to maintain it because they do not have the threat of violence from outside forces. And so that, I think is partly what we are seeing in Solomon Islands, is that some people have become quite powerful, whereas the institutions that are supposed to keep them in check, take, for instance, the Leadership Code Commission, the Auditor General's Office, the Ombudsman's Office, the accountability institutions, do not have the capacity to be able to keep them in check in the same way as they would in places like Australia, and New Zealand, so we have quite powerful people who have become rich overnight as a result of building clientel relationship with people in government, uh, as well as with people outside of government, and they have a very stable country
7: to work with.
0: But the Prime Minister Gordon Darcy Lilo denies the existence of any kind of corruption in his country.
7: Solomon is a Christian country, you must understand that. We are a very strong Christian country. This is probably the only country in the, in the, in the world that if you go around, everybody has to go to church and For people to over exaggerate you know occurrences of, uh, of dishonesty within our own society, uh, that, that's uh, quite of a, an explosive kind of a claim uh, to me
0: you think they are exaggerated claims?
7: absolutely uh, exaggerated. I mean, uh, but
0: I mean, people are set, People are facing court cases for for um, corrupt dealings.
7: Yeah, but you compare those uh, 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 people to in New Zealand or in Australia, they're insignificant.
0: A characteristic of the Solomon's government is the high turnover of parliamentarians each election, about 50 percent. But Gordon Darcy Lilo says the voters get the parliament they choose.
7: I mean, when people make the democratic choice, they make it based on circumstances that they have, and I cannot say that you know uh, please you know retain these MPs because they are very good. I mean that will go against democratic uh, uh, choices in Monday.
0: Do you think that election bribery is a problem in Southern Ireland? I don't think we will
7: be able to have it because you know we have now a strong electoral uh, register, vote, voter registration system that we are having, and at the same time. Uh,
0: uh, so you're saying it's not in existence.
7: No, I don't think that, that will be possible, because uh, we will have this uh, new water registration system to be able to guarantee one vote, one person.
0: So that's not it's not going to happen at the next election? You're not, you're not saying it hasn't happened in the past? Is well, that what I you're saying?
7: I don't know whether there has been bribery in the past. Is there a case of uh, bribery in the past?
0: But many who work in the development sector lament the lack of progress in rural areas. The founder of the Solomon Islands Development Trust, John Rowan, has lived in the country since the late 1950s.
8: Thank goodness I think the money is getting into the rural areas, but if if you're not servicing people in quality education, working clinics, resource help and modest ways of gaining money, these are basic social services that are not being met. So you can never use a project, raising pigs or cattle or coconut, cocoa plantation, as a substitute for these uh, social services. Social services are one hard thing to deliver. I accept that. But that's the nature of the game. You've got to deliver social services. And the member of parliament, his
0: best title is, he is a servant. Over the past decade, New Zealand has spent almost $400 million on Solomon Islands, 140 of that on Ramsey and the bulk of that on soldiers and police. But the total Ramsey spend on its threefold development agenda to restore law and order, reform the machinery of government and rehabilitate the economy is $3 billion. Clive Moore of the University of Queensland says that mandate may have been too static...
4: Ramsey didn't put resources into infrastructure development because it said that was really beyond its capacity and something that the national government should be doing. But many of my criticisms relate really to infrastructure development. If you're talking about development on other areas of Guadalcanal and uh, Malaita in particular, maybe the agenda should have been wider However, Ramsey doesn't have never-ending pockets. They are not a government.
0: Ramsey's special coordinator, Nicholas Koppel, says many other developing countries share the challenges ahead of Solomon Islands.
5: We see inequitable economic development. Some parts of the country are growing faster than others. You know, we see poor, weak infrastructure, inability for government to deliver services to many parts of the community, which can lead to feelings of of frustration and of neglect. And the solution to those relies on strong institutions which Ramsey has, governance institutions which Ramsey has rebuilt, not just the police force but also the Leadership Code Commission, the Ombudsman's Office, the Electoral Commission, the Auditor General, uh, all of those institutions. The entire legal sector, the the High Court, the Magistrates Court, Correctional Services, Director of Public Prosecutions, Office of the Public Solicitor, they've all been the focus of Ramsey's work over the last ten years. And those institutions are in, in good shape. And they are, if you like, a bulwark against uh, the development of, of, of corruption.
0: Nicholas Koppel says although Solomon Islands will require development assistance for many years to come, the country is clearly at peace. But Tarsisius Tara Kabutaulaka quotes Martin Luther King, true peace is not merely the absence of tension, it is the presence of justice. Dr Kabu Taulaka says the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, modelled on the same body in South Africa, has done its job well, but its report, which was released last year and widely expected to be tabled in Parliament within months, must be formally processed.
2: I think the role of of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission report is to try and create understanding, understanding that would then lead to the mending of relationship between those... Uh, the perpetrators of violence and those who were victims during the conflict. So it's not so much the search for truth per se, but the search for truth that would then create understanding. And that needs government facilitation in some cases where relationships are p- still quite volatile.
0: Others also believe the risk of violence and a reemergence of conflict is very real. One of Ramsey's first tasks was to strip the militants of their weapons, which was done very quickly and followed by ritual burning ceremonies. But the chairman of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, Father Sam Utter, says there are still guns at large, and his work with the commission has put his life at risk.
8: At one stage I was asked to retrieve about 65 high-power guns from a particular community, Uh, but I... um, it, because it was a sensitive uh, process, and the, the people concerned do not want to be exposed, in fear of fear of being arrested, um, I did not uh, go ahead and and carry out that. But that is just one particular uh, area. But there are also we are also aware of other areas. There is quite a substantial amount of uh, weapons around. They are not from the the national armories uh, here, but some of the these weapons were were brought in from Bougainville.
0: Do you think that as well as the weapons is there the underlying militancy?
8: It is one of the one of the major issues which the those concerned have you know have brought to our attention, especially the communities um, and they they feared that. The country might slide back into anarchy with these, you know, weapons still there in the hands of some of some members of the some individuals uh, in Solomon Islands. Now, I want to say that the recent tension. There were only a handful of guns that, that were used. Now we have more than more than that, and it is widespread. It's not only on Goro Canal, but also in other provinces that we know of.
0: So you're saying that the country's actually in a worse position?
8: That even could happen. Uh, It could be a worse one. But now, it will be worse in the sense that um, not Malaitans and Golokanals confronting each other, but maybe these two groups will combine and, and do something more serious against the government of the day.
0: A former head of the Melanesian Brotherhood, a branch of the Anglican Church, Brother Alec Pelusi, says people involved in the conflict still haven't healed. Seven church members were murdered in 2003, three months before Ramsey arrived. Brother Pelusi says young men still have the capacity for militancy.
7: Especially those who are directly involved or affected, yeah, those directly involved. Uh, during the tension and those badly affected during the tension um, they still keep in mind or still having a process of flashbacks so when they get into the process of flashbacks they get very aggressive and so the spirit is uh, I, I would I would rather say it's still within them
0: Brother Alec Pelusi says the international community could provide much-needed help with trauma counselling. He says helping everyone who needs it is beyond the resources of the relevant domestic agencies, but it's proving worthwhile for those who have had an opportunity to receive counselling. But back on Malaita, Reuben Molly is doubtful that long-term peace will prevail. I'm giving this country
3: just another five to ten years another problem. It will be a worse problem.
0: Why do you think it will be worse?
3: It will be worse because people will get angrier. Last time they were not angry enough. This time they will be more angry because the recipes for that anger are being built and being acquired now.
0: I'm Anel Husband, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz_insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Jeremy Veal.